Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I've been in the house all day, but probably so have you. Welcome back. Welcome black to Brown Ambition. <laughs> That's a new all one. All day. I haven't <laughs> left that. I haven't actually left my house other than maybe to go to the backyard since Friday, I realized, which is not good for anybody. No one's mental health. Ooh, it's like, honestly, I, I honestly, I, I really in like the what's been like six weeks now since we've been home. I really have gone on out very, very little. But yesterday I had to go to the um, pharmacy to get my um, my prenatal vitamins. And uh, when I went and then, because my sister also told me that pull-ups are like sold out everywhere. And I happened to see some. I was like, oh. But it was so weird to be there because it, one, they were only letting, I mean, Walgreens is a big pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And they were only letting in less than 10 people in at a time. And you had to have a mask on. So it was weird, like, kind of, like, standing outside to wait six feet apart. It just, it was like this a dystopian society, you know? It's the new normal. Yeah. I, it is. Actually, Husband went to CVS to get something for me yesterday. And he said the same thing. He had Everyone had to wear masks. Shout out to my, all the people out there making masks and sending them and donating them. My Aunt Anne in Wisconsin. Hey, Aunt Anne, who does not listen to the show or probably know what a podcast is. <laughs> she <laughs> sent us two hand-sewn masks. And then my dad had a couple of N whatever masks um, that he FedExed over here. <laughs> my dad also all offered to FedEx me overnight kale. I was just complaining about whatever, you know, I'm not trying to say this is a real problem, but I couldn't find kale anywhere because all the suburban people where I live were just eating up all the kale. And he went to Walmart <laughs> and he legitimately was going to overnight ship me kale. This man has overnight Aww. shipped me food before. Like he will overnight ship me Thanksgiving leftovers. That's just what my dad does. He's that kind of person. Oh, I love it. I was like, no, daddy, I don't need the kale that bad, but love you. He sent me some masks too, which was, which was sweet. Yeah. I think like a lot of people... We listened to the advice, which was leave the masks for the healthcare workers and don't buy any. And then now it's mandatory to in New York to wear them when you can't stay six feet apart. And we we're like, oh, now we don't have any. So glad that my aunt and my dad, well, my aunt helped out. It's just crazy out here in these streets, in these streets. It's just, I don't know. There's there's highs, there's lows, there's low lows. Um, you know, you hear about your friends online. Some of my friends have already lost like four or five people. Hmm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's it's just a lot. It's too much. And you just don't, I don't see, like, when it comes to financial things, um, even though when it seems like it's overwhelming, kind of in the back of your mind, you know that there's a solution or there's a way out. But when it comes to health, it's, 
you feel so helpless, you know? Yeah. I mean, in, in the one sense, I do know that there are smart scientists out there and we have we we have the capability to find a vaccine. It's just not going to be for a long time. And so it's like it's it's trying to let go of the sense of control we have over the vaccine, which we have none. We can just trust that. You know, I just trust in our our scientists and I hope that our leadership um, gets out of their way and lets them do their job. And, you know, everyone continues to stay safe, stay home in the meantime. Yeah, it definitely feels like this is the new normal for a while, but we need to sort of make peace with that. Um, yeah. The the other side of it is, of course, what we talk about a lot is the financial side. And um, I heard a lot of people got their stimulus checks this past week. If you filed your taxes in the past and you got your tax refund deposited directly into your bank account, you should have gotten your stimulus check or stimulus um uh, sorry, economic impact payment is what they're calling it by now. And hopefully it helps a little bit. I I got a note from one of our listeners who said that she was going to use it for a car down payment. You know, do what you got to do. Okay. Do what you oh. going to do. Um, I'm like, it's, okay. It's no judgment. Maybe you need that car to go to work and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully that helps people. I know a lot of folks I work with were excited when they got their checks Um I keep saying checks, even though it was direct deposited. It's a little something. And we definitely went ahead and filed our tax return just so because we were getting a refund. And I was like, yeah, let's just get this done and dusted. I hope that folks are finding some sort of relief from that. I know it's not very much. 1200 What's the max? 2400 You guys are listening to this show on Wednesday. I got an alert from irs.gov yesterday that if you're someone who is on social security benefits, you may not have gotten as much as you should have if you have a dependent at home. Mm. And they're giving everyone until the 22nd of April, which is tomorrow, to go to irs.gov and update their filing so that they can get that extra $500. So I'm going to post a link in the show notes. And if you're listening Mm. to this and that's you, I don't know if anyone is, I'm going to post a link to that IRS notice so that you guys can hopefully get, you know, all the coins that you should be getting right now. It's just so much to process. Sheesh. Yeah. But that was, you know, super helpful. It's just like, ah, there's so many money questions. I mean, that's when I tell you the level of, I mean, what I love about our listeners and dream catchers is that they always have like a ton of financial questions, but the the thing, like my inbox has been kaboom. I'm like, ah, sis, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even keep up. Can you keep up? No, I cannot. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I, we try our best, like even in the Facebook group, like, oh my God, when stimulus came out, we actually had to start banning, because you know, we have a Dreamcatcher Facebook group. It's like 500,000, mostly women. We actually had to ban um, stimulus talk for a while because every post was about stimulus. And, and quite honestly, some of the questions were questions that there was no answer for just yet. Like, well, what if... You know, what if I I changed my bank account from last time? And what if I move from where the check is? It's like, well, there was no there was no answer to those things at the time. So it just became Mm -hmm. just overwhelming. And then I get it because people are like, what am I supposed to do? There's very little direction from the quote unquote top. There's at least irs.gov, and they are trying to keep up with the questions. So I'm going to, again, post a link to the FAQ from irs.gov because it has answers to those kinds of questions. And 
you know, we got a, I got an Instagram message from someone who sent me a link to IRS.gov to their page about the economic inc- impact payments, and they asked, is this legitimate? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> IRS.gov is, in fact, legitimate. Um, if it's not, like, if we can't trust the IRS, what's, what's going on? Um, yeah, so one of the, you know, we talked, obviously, millions and millions of people are filing for unemployment benefits right now, trying to figure out what they're trying, you know, how they can bring an income if they've lost their jobs. Another, what I was, I kind of joked about this, but I had been seeing, remember Susie Orman, she really had a huge wave that she rode, like a lot of personal finance experts did after Mm -hmm. the 2008 financial crisis and really people flocked to her for advice. And then I, I don't know, I feel like I didn't hear from her in a long time. Well, Susie is back with a vengeance. And I started to see people sharing some advice that she was giving a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that stuck out to me was Susie was like, you guys need to run up your credit cards now. Don't what? Re- yes, run up your credit cards essentially because she said if you have to choose between putting food on the table or paying your mortgage versus, you know, putting a bill on a credit card, um uh put that put whatever on your credit cards so that you keep your liquid cash available for the essentials, for food and and such like that. And the reason she was saying it and I, and I get it now is because when these types of financial situations happen. When we have a downturn like we're having now, we saw this back in the 08 crisis too, banks will literally start to hedge their own risks. They will say, oh crap, in the past 10 years, we've been giving people a lot of credit and we're afraid that a lot of folks who are either losing their jobs or they're listening to people like Susie Orman and (laughs) are going to start racking up their credit cards because you know, they fear that they won't have access to that credit or that they, you know, need that extra capital because they've lost their job or whatnot. Banks are literally, in some cases, we've heard from our audience um, that banks are starting to reduce credit limits and people- I could see that. Yeah, that they're that they're just finding out, oh, my credit limit's been slashed. One person reached out to one of the credit experts on our team and said that they had been slashed from $17,000 limit to a $500 limit. What? Um, Yes, absolutely. And it's totally fine for banks to do this. And it's like I said, they know that they have a lot of risk right now because like Susie Orman is recommending this thing. I mean, it sounds like bad. It sounds bad. It's everything that we usually say, don't do, don't run up your credit cards. But Susie's point is that, well, you know, your mortgage is tied to your house. If you default on your mortgage, you could lose your house, whereas a credit card is unsecured, right? Yeah. Um, You can file bankruptcy to uh, well, it's not obviously the best solution, but there's you. C- it's it's unsecured. You're not going to lose your car, which you need for work, or your house, which you need for you know for your family. Um, the same way with a credit card, and of course, banks know that they're riskier. That's why they have so higher like, APRs. Yep. Um, and so I think I was just reading someplace that um, I don't know if it was a uh, CNBC that like credit card debt surpassed one trillion dollars for the first time last year. Mm. So can you imagine if? of people are not making credit card payments and what that could do to the credit card industry. That is that the next bubble to burst? I feel like, oh, just seeing like what happened with oil today. No, was it today or was that yesterday? Of how um, oil prices fell to negative for the first time ever, ever, ever in history. And so I just feel like sometimes there's like dominoes. Sometimes it's like one thing falls. And then sometimes it's like, all the things are falling, like uh, historic crash going on, like the, in the oil market. Like, so what are, like, what next? It's like, even if we are better and healthier, 
the financial landscape is just in shambles. And what does that mean for us? You know, I have to believe I I have to lift you up, Tiffany. I today I'm the optimist. (laughs) And usually that's me. And I'm like, no, you sound you sound really down down right now. But we are recession like we survived the 08 crisis um, in a lot of ways. That was worse, I think, financially. You know, we didn't have the stimulus bill back then. It was a bank bailout. Now, sure, the stimulus checks aren't much, but there's something. And if and the Congress is about to pass another huge multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar bill to um, increase funding for small businesses. I, I feel like we are we will bounce back. But you're right. The same way the financial landscape was forever changed by the 08 crisis, it will be changed. Um, I hopefully uh, for the better. But yeah, I mean, lift, lift, stay with us, Tiffany. Stay, stay, stay <laughs> optimistic. Just, you know, that's so crazy because it's like, I'm okay. I guess that's what it is. What it is, it's like, oh man, I just, just the flood to see how many dream catchers reach out who are afraid and scared. Like mm-hmm. because of what happened in 08, 09, I have been fortifying myself for like the last 10 years yeah. against this. So I feel fairly certain that I'm, you know, I'm okay. I, I've got more than a year's worth of emergency savings saved. You know, I- I'm okay. I have a strong business that actually does better in recessions, but it's just, I don't know. I just was, you know, sometimes I think to myself like, yo, what would preschool teacher at that time, Tiffany do right now? Or Tiffany who had just lost her job, what would I have done? And so I guess it's just, I think about those people and I'm just like, ah, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? One thing I know for sure is that good times and bad times, nothing lasts forever. So I know we're not always going to be in this position and human beings are very resilient. So I know that there's an other side to this. It's just like, it could just be really like overwhelming, especially I think I am, um, what is that word when um, an empath, when, you know, someone who's like an emotional sponge. So sometimes I think I'm just maybe soaking up too much worry out there and sometimes Mm -hmm. I just need a break from it, you know? No, I mean, the anxiety in the, in the financial turmoil is real. Like people who were on part of the gig economy or had incomes that were, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, it definitely is. And I don't want to, I don't want to minimize those challenges at all because they really are out there. And again, I will post resources so people can find ways to file for unemployment benefits. I'll post something for you guys who need to rely on like your local food bank. Um, And for those of us who are in a, in a more privileged place, like, and, and I'm like you, Tiffany, I, I, my wounds from the great recession really helped me, like you said, fortify my financial foundation the past 10 years and be really, you know, a stickler about savings. And I'm, I'm glad that it did. And because I'm in this position now, I think the, the way that we can cope with some of our anxiety is to, is, and feel like, how can we help people is we can donate, we can give back. Um, yeah. One of the things I did is I sent $50, which isn't a lot, but I sent it to the woman who was giving me postnatal massages and really just brought my body back because my body was wrecked after mm-hmm. I gave birth and I loved her, Kim May. And I was doing that once a month for my own mental health. And I was so sad I wasn't able to. And she told me all about how, you know, she's around my age and she had um, really started to really become passionate about postnatal care and prenatal care for um, women. Anyway, I sent her a tip on Venmo and Venmo is choosing some people who are doing that to to match their tip for people. Mm. And I donated to the prenatal yoga studio that I was going to as well, which is owned by a woman of color in my area um, in the suburbs, which is very uncommon. And I love Dee and everyone loves Dee and her, she's created this beautiful business for women by women for women who are really underserved, you know, going through not just prenatal pregnancy complications, but like postnatal life. And 
So I donated to her GoFundMe and, you know, it's small things like that, but maybe there's a way that you could find, you know, to support someone in a, in a small way and accept that we can't fix everything, everything for everybody. Yeah. I feel like one of the best ways, like I, I've always donated about 10% of my income, but I, this time I've just been donating more time. I don't think I've ever taught more financial education than I have now. Mm. So like I go live at least a few times a week just to teach free classes. Like y'all know I have my online school, but I'm like, uh, that's cute. Like, but I, people need access, like free, tangible, real access. So we did two free financial series. It was like four classes for the first set, four classes for the second set um, of other financial experts who were amazing and other experts as well. So we're actually going to be, I'm going to be, I put them all together and because people were having trouble finding them because we did them on Facebook live. And so I said, I asked my team, put them all together, put them on one site. So that way we could tell people, go to budgetnistablahblah.com. And that way you can have access and watch these videos while you're home. So that's going to be rolling out soon. It's totally free. I feel like that always, the thing that always makes me feel better when I'm feeling overwhelmed is to be of service. And the way that I like to be of service is through teaching. Because I'm like, if I, if I can know something, I can share something. And I know that if I can show you a different way or something new or something helpful that um, you'll show somebody else. And then it, there's a ripple effect there. Yeah, absolutely. And if finances aren't your strong suit, maybe just offering to buy groceries for your neighbor next door or yes. dropping off a gift card to a neighbor you know who's lost their job. Um, our, I know our neighbors, they worked in the restaurant industry and they're proud. So we just dropped them off a gift card. And, you know, and on Easter, I just bought a couple of little uh, plants, like um, some calla lilies and gave them to our immediate neighbors and just little acts of kindness. It just makes me feel like, okay, I've done a little something. If you can sew, which I can't, sorry to my grandmother who spent lots of time teaching me and I forgot how, but if you can sew masks, you can sew them and donate them. There's, there's things that you guys can do. Um, I did want to just to go back really quick to the credit limit decrease question, the, the immediate impact. So I, I just wanted to like think about the questions people might have is, well, who is most likely to get their credit card limit decreased? Actually, if you don't use your card quite often, if you have an older card that you haven't used in a while, our credit expert at LendingTree says those are the cards that issuers were probably going to slash first, which may not seem like a big deal, but we talk a lot about credit utilization and what a huge component of your credit score that is. In fact, it's right up there with making on-time payments. And what happens when your credit limit decreases is that your utilization rate, which is how much credit you use versus versus how much credit you have access to can increase. So let's say you've got $10,000 of available credit across three cards and your credit issuer takes one of the cards and decreases it. And now all of a sudden you only have $5,000 worth of available credit and you carry $2,500 across those two cards. Now your utilization rate is 50%, whereas before it might've been like 25%. And that can really hurt your credit. So if this happens to you, you can try calling your issuer and asking them to reconsider. You can ask another issuer for the credits, credit cards that you still have open if they can bump your cards up. Now that's going to be a small hit to your credit because it'll be a hard inquiry, but it's something. Or you can try to get another card to try and increase your available credit. That's really all that, that there is that you can do. Um, yeah. So it's unfortunate that it's happening, but definitely if you guys if you guys are experiencing this, we'd love to hear from you. 
send us an email at broadambitionpodcast at gmail.com or you can shoot me a note in Instagram because I'm curious if people are being notified and how they're being notified because there's not really any, there's nothing that makes banks need to give you a heads up. They can just kind of do it. Yeah, that's the worst. I remember during the last recession when I, I was late on my, people don't realize if you can, if you're late on one thing financially, it can affect all of your 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 things. I was late on my my mortgage, and then um, Bank of America, the card I had at the time, my credit limit, they slashed it in half. And basically, when I asked them, they were like, "You were late on your mortgage," and I was like, "Yeah, but my mortgage is with Chase. You guys are Bank of America," and they were like, "Potato, potato." <laughs> so know that too that it's you know you can be late with one financial institution, and it can affect your relationship with another. Yeah, 100%. And this isn't just going to be credit cards. I mean, I'd be interested if people, if you're out there trying to get a mortgage, you're a first-time home buyer, banks are going to be tightening their credit requirements uh, in a lot of different areas. And it could make it more difficult to get things like a mortgage or an auto loan, credit card. And they just may be making it uh, a little bit more difficult in terms of what they require, um, income limits, credit limits, things like that. So if y'all are experiencing any of that, definitely reach out to us. Interested to hear. And... Maybe we should take a quick break. And speaking of people reaching out to us, answer some questions. Questions. Let me get back. So be right back, y'all. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. for a question. Mm. Sorry to um sorry to our editor. I know she's like, you know what? Mm. <laughs> what questions we Apologize have? Apologize to the people. <laughs> Let's take a question that's maybe not so COVID related. This one comes from Instagram, wants to remain anonymous. She says, I'd love some advice for, about my husband. He's about to start a nursing program that will cost about $30,000 for tuition and books. We have about $16,000 in savings and plan to use $10,000 of that to pay for his first semester. After that, we're going to take out a loan. He'll be in school full time, so I'll be the only one working. My question is, how do you recommend we allocate our money? Should we just focus all our efforts on saving to pay off the loan? Is there any way we can invest a portion of it to start building our wealth? And if so, would that be a smart decision? So she is going to be supporting them financially while he goes to nursing school mm-hmm. and they've got 16000 in savings. They're going to take 10000 of that 
to get ahead and pay for his first semester, leaving them with $6,000 in saving. And she wants to know, should she focus on saving from her income so that they can pay off the loan later? Or is there any way that they can invest it to start building wealth so that they can tackle it later after he graduates? Hmm. Well, so just so I'm super clear. So they're going to get, they have some money saved, yep. but they're going to be getting this loan, but they are going to get more than what school costs? She basically, they're going to get a loan, but the first semester they want to take $10,000 out of their savings to pay for it so they don't have to take a loan. Okay. Yeah. So they're t- for me, what's sticking out is they have $16,000 in savings and they're going to take more than half of it. Um, and to put towards school. To put towards school right now. I don't know how you would feel about that, it, but my sense is if, if he has access to federal student loans, which can typically come at a pretty low interest rate, and you can get income-based repayment later, I honestly would say yeah. don't dip into your savings that much. Yeah, um, especially now. Especially now with one income. Like what happens if you lose your job? Um, I don't know if you guys live together. I'm going to assume so because you know, your husband, duh, you live together. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would really rethink depleting your savings to that extent. Yeah. You want to have some money in the bank. And, yeah. and $30,000, let's say he needs that much out of a student loan, that's about average for what folks take out for student loans. And you can definitely, if it's a federal loan, have access to some flexible repayment options in the future, which will be definitely helpful for you. And I wouldn't want to see you guys, you know, deplete your savings and then uh, end up needing to rack up credit card debt when you don't have the same forgivable yeah. options. I was going to say too, you plus two, especially during times like now, entering into what's looking like will be a recession. You want to have, you know, like about six months of essential expenses saved mm-hmm. because what you don't want to do, like to Mandy's point, is to have to rely on credit cards should something happen, especially since you're moving to a one income household. Depleting savings is hardly ever a really good idea, but it's even worse when an economic downturn is predicted because then you just don't know where you're going to stand from now. And and your savings is kind of like your you're, you get to hedge against the bet, like, okay, if we were to lose our my income, we have, I don't know, let's just say your life costs you $4,000 a month. We have two months worth of expenses so we can figure out what to do in those two months. So yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want you to spend that all, especially if you can't get federal student loans. And even if you can't get federal student loans, depleting your savings during a the beginning of a potential recession is, is a no for me, dog. Yeah. And I mean, the career that he's chosen nursing, that's also one of the professions where he could potentially, if you live in a state where they have certain programs, he could potentially qualify for loan forgiveness if he yes. works in a in a low-income area or an underserved area. And as far as job security goes, I mean, the healthcare professionals, that's a, that's a smart, I would say, especially use of tuition. Nurses. Yes, especially nurses. Smart use of tuition dollars. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to qualify for federal student loans. I would definitely say do that first. Do not deplete your savings. As far as the question, Tiff, um, of whether she should invest uh, for the potential to grow some of their savings so they can pay the loans <laughs> off later, I would also say no. That's probably, I mean, how long is nursing school? A few years? That to me is not a long enough time horizon for you to want to risk your savings in the market, especially with all the uncertainty we're dealing with right now with where we're at. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Tiff, if you have a different opinion. No, no, no. I, I agree. I feel like 
We said this before one of, during an earlier episode. Now is really the time to hunker down. If there's nothing else you can think of, hunker down, hunker down, hunker down. Meaning that uh, preserve your cash, mm-hmm. um, live frugally. Don't freeze your life. I, I'm glad he's going to school. I think that's great. But you're not here to freeze your life, but you are definitely here to try to create as much security as you can financially for yourself so we can see our way through this time. 100%. And thank you for your question. Yeah, great question. Hopefully that was helpful. And this question came recently. So hopefully we got you in time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. Okay. Let's take another question from the gram. This one is interesting. It's about online savings, which you guys know we talk about our some of our favorite online savings accounts because they typically have higher rates. Not typically. They almost always have higher rates than traditional banks do. But like a lot with the with the Fed slashing interest rates, savings accounts, you may have noticed even the online ones who have pretty high rates have been decreasing. So this question is from, um, let's see, does she want to be anonymous? Doesn't say, but I don't, also don't know her name. So we'll just say her name is Patricia. Patricia says, I want to use a bank for online savings. I see that of April 10th, American Express their savings rate went down to 1.6%, while Ally has gone down to 1.5%, and Marcus by Goldman Sachs is at 1.55%. Any cons you could think of for opening an online savings account right now as rates are going down? I'm going down. Mm -hmm. So here is what could potentially happen for the first time in history, although we pray not, that we could actually reach a point of negative interest where you actually have to pay a bank to hold your money, the way you do with the checking account. We hope that doesn't happen. That would be the only time that I think opening up an online savings account would not be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Until now, I mean, here's the thing. Although online savings accounts are not giving great interest right now, it's still better than a brick and mortar savings. It's still a lot because, better. A lot, yes. a lot better. Because they're giving you a piece of a piece of a piece of a piece of, of a piece of a piece of a penny. Mm-hmm. And at least like an ally is giving you a penny and a half. So right now there's no cons. Uh, For me, the two biggest pros are one, you're still going to earn more money than if you kept your money with like a Wells Fargo or TD TD Bank or Bank of America. And the second pro is that it makes your money inconvenient. I don't believe in having a checking account at an online online only bank. I keep my checking at my big bank for ease of use, you know, because the big banks are everywhere. And then I keep my savings at my online only bank. And if I want to transfer savings to checking, there's about a 24 hour, sometimes up to 72 hour wait, which forces me to not be impulsive when it comes to spending my savings. It forces me to plan and prioritize my savings spending. So I like the inconvenience of an online only savings account and you still earn more interest. So right now it's pro pro, but keep an eye on what's happening now. 2020 has been the year of history, like um, us like making history financially about different things that have never been done before. So it, yeah, negative interest rates are a possibility. You know, they're a possibility of of, of being charged a fee for your savings account. So just keep an eye out for that. That would be the only time that I'd be like, nah, sis, I'm good. I know, but a lot of people are already paying those fees, um, and, you know, paying banks to hold their money. And I would just say it hasn't happened yet. And the the hugest pro for whether it's an online bank or a traditional bank, and I'm speaking to my dad in particular, who continues to save money rolled up in socks throughout his house and in his mattress and all the places it's not protected. At least you still have FDIC insurance for your funding. And in fact, with the CARES Act, that stimulus package that Congress passed, they have unlimited FDIC coverage now. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have 200 
250 grand lying in cash somewhere. I wish I did. That would be nice. But um, <laughs> but your money is protected in a bank and you know, you're earning a little bit of something, something right now, but that's really the the benefit of putting your money with an FDIC insured insured or, or NCUA insured if you have a credit union. Um, basically the same thing. Your money is protected and it's protected against loss, unlike the money in your 401k, which is, you know, going all over the place right now, if you're like me, um, with what's going on right now. So it's nice to earn a little bit of money on your savings. That's cool. But I think the real the real pro of saving, whether online or with an, a regular bank, as long as they're FDIC insured, is that your money is, you know, guaranteed by the government to be there um, if all hell breaks loose. And the one thing I'll say is if you have a lot in savings and you're you have a lot of cash and savings and you've got your six months savings or however much you feel comfortable having for emergencies and then you have cash on top of that, you could look to CDs. Now, CD rates, just like savings accounts rates, will be going down because the Fed has continued to slash rates. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, they they can offer a higher potential savings rate than a, your regular savings account. So if you want to lock in a higher rate and you have that extra cash, you could look to a CD. They're also FDIC insured. So yes. your money is protected and they could have a higher rate. The only downside with the CD is that you have to lock it in for a certain amount of time. The Mm -hmm. longer you agree to lock it in, the higher the rate will be. So five years, whatever. But you can get them three months, six months, one year up to five years, seven years, I think, maybe even more. And if you were to like cash out that CD before that term expires um, or until that term is completed, then you'd have to pay an early withdrawal penalty, which, of course, just... It's not cute. Thank you. And it's just like defeats the purpose in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Because you're going to lose. But I'll say this about, because I did a CD for like the kids in my in my family. I did it last year and it came to maturity in April. Um, I did it with Ally. And I guess I must have signed up inadvertently for an automatic rollover to like a CD again. Hmm. And I just happened to remember in the back of my head, like, oh, April, my CD comes. And so I logged into Ally and there was like a notice there that was like, hey, girl, you got about 10 days that if you don't withdraw your money from the CD, it's locked in. I'm like, oh, get it. Ooh, get Ally. It. Run. Right? Can you imagine? I was yeah. pissed. I was like, I didn't get an email. Maybe they did send an email. I didn't see it. But so just be mindful that if you are going to get a CD, which, you know, might be the tool that, you, you know, vehicle that you might want to use that, um, that one, you know, that you're not signing up for automatic rollover, or maybe you are, maybe you want to, but put like a little reminder on your, on your phone, like two weeks ahead of time. So that way, you know, to go check on your CD and pull it out and withdraw it if you want to. Definitely a pro tip. I did the same thing when I had my, the most I've ever felt comfortable doing was a one-year CD. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. But those three banks that she mentioned, Ally, Goldman Sachs, or sorry, Ally, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Um, oh, I closed my app. What was the other one that she mentioned? Jeez, Louise. It, it was, um, oh, I know it too. It's at the top of American my head. Got, got it. Yes. Um, yeah. So those are three of the bigger online banks that are out there. Um, I'll post a link again to uh, Magnify Money where you can compare savings accounts. And if you guys are looking for a safe place to stash your cash, please opt for an FDIC or NCUA insured bank account and not the socks in your closet. Yes. Alton Woodruff, can you hear me? Daddy? (laughs) It's a problem. He literally was like, I asked, because, you know, my dad lost his job. Um, He's been out of work for a few weeks now. And my brother and I have been helping him. But 
I was like, dad, do you need anything? You got groceries? Like, man, he's like, yeah, I got, I got a, I got a jug full of quarters. I can cash in anytime I want to. Legitimately. He has, he's that man with the water jug full of quarters. (laughs) That's right. Yes. I know. Bless his heart. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for your questions. One yes, more time. Thank you. Send them to brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the gram at brownambitionpodcast on Instagram. On the gram. And now it's time for a boost or break or boost or break or boost or break or sorry, Callie. Boost or break. <laughs> <laughs> Have we introduced Callie, to, our editor, to the people know who we we're should. talking about? <laughs> so Callie is our editor. I'm trying to keep my laugh down because Callie said my laugh brings us into the red. Yeah. So she's trying to call her. She and Mandy are trying to quell my joy. So I'm trying to sit a little further away from the mic because <laughs> apparently I'm loud. Who knew? I mean, I'm loud? <laughs> listen, especially compared to me, like when I was editing our audio, it would be I would have no problem being able to tell when I was talking, when Tiffany was talking. <laughs> Let me try not to laugh. Mandy, no. stop making me laugh. But I'm that, going into the room. Listen, you are who you are, and we love you. <laughs> we love you for it. So are you going to boost? Are you going to break? I'm going to go first this time. Okay. I'm, <laughs> you always I'm control going. the boost and break. Go. <laughs> I'm going to boost, actually. I'm going to boost these local banks because mm, Wells Fargo, you naughty, naughty boy. Um, do you see Wells Fargo's being sued? Mm, surprise, surprise. Apparently how they mishandled the um, the PPP funds, the pro- pro- Paycheck Protection Funds. Yeah, they're quick with a lawsuit. Quick real quick. The, real quick. <laughs> just happened. And, yeah. But you know what? Because I, I have my business account at Wells Fargo. And honestly, good for them. Sorry, I'm sure they'll never throw any money my way. Don't care. Because literally they secretly opened your ability to apply for the PPP on like a Sunday afternoon, Mandy. And by Sunday evening, oh, we're not taking any more people. I'm like, wait, you guys were open? Mm-hmm. So it was, the way they handled it was terrible. I At the moment that I'd heard about it, my friend, Danticia, she lives in Florida. She went to her local bank and her local bank had her fill out an application. And they said, we don't have any of the money or anything yet, but... We'll have you primed and ready to go. So when the money does come in, we've already vetted you and your application is done. And we could just connect you with the money. That's what happened to her. My other friend who lives in Philly, same thing. Local bank filled out that application. Money's already been deposited into her account. Meanwhile, I'm here with the biggest bank in Zagon country. And I can't get my business banker on the phone. I can't get anyone to answer the phone. I can't get an email back. I couldn't even apply. I'm like, why am I with this bank again? Mm, not for long, because my CFO and I, we were all talking about it. They are, they've are they already been a mess before. So meanwhile, this is supposed to be a boost. Forget them. The boost to the smaller banks. So we actually started looking at... um smaller local banks. We found one that we really like. And I opened up like a business bank account with them. And um, when I did, they actually called me and said, hey, did you ever apply for the PPP loan? I said, no, because the bank I was with before, they dropped the ball. And they were like, well, you know, another round is likely coming. If you'd like to pre, basically pre-qualify, you could fill out an application now. And I'm like, wow, mm. where have you been all my life? So shout out to local banks. Um, you know, like when I when I opened up my businesses, I thought, well, you know, common sense would say you should go with the big bank so they could take care of you and they can handle your business. Honestly, I'm not so sure anymore. I'm. We have Brown Ambition. We have 
I have uh, TJMS, my marketing you company. You sucked my- me into the Wells Fargo, and I didn't want to. I know. My, said, bad mm, my, was, bad <laughs> my bad girl. My bad girl. online air thing, all the <laughs> you things. Were. You were. I, we going to leave. We leave it. We leave it. I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I have a marketing company. I've got the Budget Nisa, and I also have my... Um, uh, literature academies. So all four of those companies are, are with Wells Fargo, but we're leaving. We are leaving. I'm packing mm-hmm. my bags and we're leaving. And we're going to go head over to my new small friendly bank where the vice president actually calls you and checks up on you. And you have access to the tools and resources you need to succeed. I suspect a lot of people are going to be leaving. Honestly, a lot of people left Wells Fargo after they were signing people up illegally for bank accounts. And and, and the yeah. president and CEO and the people at the top were acting as if they had no idea when they know that was an underlying policy. So yeah. a lot of people left then. I didn't leave then because I had so many bank accounts with them. I just didn't feel like the hassle, but it's actually more of a hassle to stay. That's a great, um, and you know, in all seriousness, that is exactly what's happening. A lot of big banks, uh, either they ran out of funding for this program really quickly or they just didn't want to play ball. And the real winners and the real heroes here have been the local banks. So if you're a small business owner and like Tiffany, you haven't gotten um, you haven't gotten through your big bank, you don't have to be um you don't have to like join the bank. Like you can go to a bank that you don't bank with and ask them about the program. And maybe it's about opening up a checking account or whatever mm-hmm. to qualify. But those are the real heroes um, for small business owners right now. They are. 100%. And, 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 and honestly, we I have checked all the banks. Everyone is going to basically tell you that at some point you're going to have to open up a business bank account with them, which is fine. I have no problem doing that. So just know that. Well, that's where they're going to deposit your stimulus money. So, exactly. you know, you need you need it. <laughs> That was a good boost. Um, yeah, and you have to. If you're gonna, are you gonna apply for uh, the PPP program? We did already, girl. Paycheck that, protection program. Literally Monday, I you know I went because we I was like you know we're looking for a new bank. Went opened up a bank account Monday. Got a call from the vice president Monday. Was like, hey, um, would you like to apply? Sure. By Tuesday, we submitted our paperwork, signed, and now we're like pre-approved. Within like 24 hours, I was like, what? Meanwhile, big old Wells Fargo, I have still not heard back from my. My personal banker, quote unquote. I have not heard back from them. We've emailed, we've called, we haven't heard anything. It's been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But so I'm like, oh, it's a wrap for Wellesy. It's a wrap. Bye. <laughs> um, and it, this just came out today that the uh, Congress has passed a new bill that would approve more money for the Paycheck Protection Program. Yay! 310, 310 billion more dollars that they have created out of thin air. We won't talk about that. And <sighs> also 60 <If> billion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Our, our Rio, you know, Rio and the babies, they're going to handle this when they, when they get grown. And another bill that would increase the emergency disaster loan program by $60 billion. So more money coming for small business owners. And now if you if you miss the first wave, definitely go to your local banks, your credit unions, first and foremost, to get access and tell us your stories. Are you guys getting the stimulus? If you're a small business owner, entrepreneur, are you getting are you having success getting access to funds that you're supposed to have access to? Hit us up, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Um, okay. We'd really like to hear from you. Okay, is it my turn yet? It is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to do a brown a boost for virtual game night, which my family and I, I kind of proposed the idea of doing a virtual game night before I figured out how to do it. And then I was like sweating bullets trying to figure out how do you do a virtual game night. I ended up using an app called House Party, which is cute. It's it's kind of like whatever. It's kind of like any other. It's kind of like FaceTime, but you have the ability to play games and they have games built into the app. So I recommend it. It's really fun. And it was a nice way to spend a couple hours with my fam on Friday and feel feel together. 
and I will do a quick brown break for a, a <clears throat> an affliction that I have just found a name for. So my wrist has been destroyed. Like I just I just kept joking that the baby destroyed my body, and one of the things that he destroyed was my arm. Just all the the times you had to lift them up, and all the rocking, and all the nursing, and all that. My wrist just hasn't been the same. And ever since I've been working from home without my, I left my big monitor and my keyboard and my nice standing desk at the office, which we can't get into. I think like a lot of people, I've been locked out of the office because they want to keep it sanitized for whenever we go back. Anyway, so my my wrist is just giving me so many problems, and I'm wearing a brace now. This is actually an affliction called mommy's thumb, which I had never heard of before until someone told me. They're like, you have mommy's thumb. This is a legitimate, like, it's kind of like carpal tunnel, but specific to the part of your hand that you use for the baby. And I'm like, mm. what is this child doing to me? And I found a gray hair today, you guys. <laughs> so I have a bum wrist and a gray hair, and um, it's it's real sad. But on the plus side, baby is almost sleeping through the night now like really yes 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 and i don't want to get into a debate about whether or not you should let them cry but it's been working for us (laughs) and i decided that he won't remember the tears that he sheds but i will remember the tears (laughs) that i shed because i had many many breakdowns from lack of sleep and the fact that i'm getting more sleep is the reason we're surviving this whole situation at all so i have to give a brown boost to my baby for figuring out how to sleep because I love him and I'm so proud and thank God because now the fog is truly starting to lift now that my sleep is improving. Oh, what did I just give you? Two boosts and a break? I don't even. Care. I was a lot. <laughs> no, that's good though. Yes, because because I don't even know like when. I guess every baby's different. Is there like a typical age when they start sleeping through the night? So here's the number one piece of advice for any. Any mom out there, a new mom, whatever, the the reason I regained my sanity is because I stopped listening to all the Googles, all the books, all the experts, all, you know, I was, I was trying to information my problems to death, problems that I perceived to have. And I just started listening to my child and mm. he, yes. And I just started to recognize he's the boss. He will tell me how many naps he needs. He'll tell me how much and how often he's going to eat. When I stopped caring, like I used to track how long his feeds were, when they happened. And then if he slept a good stretch, I would try to recreate the day and I would stress out and drive myself crazy because I'd be like, oh, no, he ate at 412 yesterday and it's 417 and he's refusing. Like he's a human and they're all different. And genuinely, genuine, it sounds so simple, but my mental health only started to make a, a turnaround when I stopped caring what experts said. Now, the one expert I listened to um, – when my my mom is a little upset by this is my doctor or doctor or pediatrician okay. so she's the one that i called and asked about advice around sleep and she and hers is the advice that i went by and um that's just what i that's for my own mental health i went on a little bit of a rant here but it's it's absolutely the thing that i will credit for helping me get back to feeling like myself is just me and my kid, we're in a bubble. He tells me what he needs. I give it to him. And that's what works for us. And I don't care. I don't care what so-and-so's baby did or what the internet's baby did or that book, you know, and that expert on Instagram, like every baby is just different and they, they will figure it out, man. Like they used to figure it out without Google. Like they, it's, it's a miracle. They, it's watching him figure things out, like how to sleep, how to, you know, even just how to reach for me or just 
ask for what he needs. Like they tell you if you just listen and stop trying to control them. Anyway, so I'm back. I feel like I'm back. And I don't want to jinx myself, but the and honestly, and all that, the the work I've done to just let go of what I can't control, which is my own child. I can't control him. I just need to let him be. He's a smart kid. And that is also the approach I'm taking for this pandemic. I can't control it. I'll let humankind, we'll figure this out. We've survived the plague and all kinds of stuff before. That's just, that's what I'm saying so I can sleep at night, y'all. Okay. (laughs) Well, you're sounding much chipper. Thank you. Chippier. Chipper. I don't even know. And a few choice prescriptions have also helped me. (laughs) But also (laughs) stopping Googling was a real good, was my my self-prescribed medicine. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Are you feeling better yet? Um, I am. I honestly think it's allergies. Mm. Um, I know, right? Every time I cough, people are like, COVID. And I'm like, oh, gosh, no. I mean, I don't have any of the other symptoms. And this is the time of year I cough anyway because I have the runny nose, you know, the watery eyes. It's I have, um, you know, I get allergies this time of year. So Seasonal allergies. It is what it is. I feel, I do feel better emotionally about, I mean, it's hard. Like I said, I, I'm an empath, so sometimes I just need I need, I'll talk to some of like my sunshine folks and because you are feeling upbeat and made me feel upbeat because I'm soaking up your happy energy. And then if someone gets into my inbox and they're like crying, then I'm like, I'm sad with you. So <laughs> just <laughs> so be a cold hearted, be a, like I am. <laughs> Not a cold hearted. <laughs> no, I do compartmentalize. I do compartmentalize yes. extremely well. I don't, I don't, yes. I don't even know how. You got to put the people's problems in the drawer in the back of your head and then, okay, that's in that drawer. Now my drawer is my own protect, special protected place. It's a sacred place. You got to be okay. careful what you let get in your drawer. Okay. Not your drawers. That's different. That's different <laughs> that too. I'm not a single lady no more, but you know, back in the day, that was some good advice. <laughs> oh, this analogy is getting away from me. Oh my goodness. Go go hug your husband and say sorry for yelling at him for interrupting I know, us again. I know. He's gonna he's gonna be like, no, keep your hug. Um on that note, ta-ta. Ta-ta. <laughs> Have a good week, you guys. Um, and we will see y'all next week. Until next time. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.